Welcome to the Agree to Disagree show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. Oh, yes, everybody. Welcome to episode 81 of the Agree to Disagree show, where we strive to better ourselves and learn by understanding different perspectives and hope you, the listeners, can come away with a new outlook on issues that affect us all. Let's come together as we discover new ideas and healthy debates. How is everyone doing this evening? I hope you're all doing fine. Guys, if you appreciate the show and you want to support it and you want to show the love, all you need to do is like, share, subscribe the YouTube channel, Facebook page, the Instagram page, or the podcast on any of the platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Apple, um, sorry, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and leave a five-star review. It will go a long way to help with the algorithms. Please show the love, guys. I don't ask for much. All right. So tonight, uh, got some interesting topics uh, for you all, and. Uh, I thought I'd start it off with a um, a story out of uh, my parents' native Italy, and specifically, um, we are from Sicilian descent, and everybody knows that it's uh, near and dear to me, um, our, our our ancestors and my Italian heritage, um, and specifically my Sicilian heritage. Uh, so, before I continue, guys, please put in the note in the comments. Whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, uh, TikTok, just to say hi. If you have questions, please do, uh, and YouTube as well. So, as I was mentioning, everyone knows that um, Sicily uh, plays a very important part uh, in my life. I have have family in there, so I know that people listen to me, especially my family members in Sicily. And uh, this story that was uh, that came out uh, this week, which was uh, very important. Um, I wanted to discuss it and uh, give my 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 two cents uh, on it. So, for those of you that don't know, uh, Sicilian mafia boss Matteo Messina Denaro was arrested after eluding capture for nearly three decades. Um, he was wanted for the killings of Italian prosecutors um, Giovanni Falcone and Paolo Borsellino. Um, these two uh, magistrates were friends and had the courage to take on what I call the scourge of the mafia um, in Sicily, especially, and put a lot of people in jail knowing that um, it would put them in danger and their lives at risk. Uh, And in fact, they did pay with their lives when orchestrated by uh, Matteo Messina Denaro's uh, Cosa Nostra, they blew up a bridge to get to the judges uh, and to kill them, believe it or not. Uh, This set off a series of events in Sicily uh, that basically, it was a straw that broke the camel's back, uh, saying this can't continue. so um, they are national heroes. They, they were back then and they still are today, over 30 years ago. 
since that sad day that they were killed. So fast forward today, um, Messina Denaro, uh, who went in hiding, um, uh, he had a power base in the port of Trapani in Western Sicily and uh, was considered uh, Sicily's Cosa Nostra top boss, even while a fugitive. And after these killings, he he went into hiding. And um, so he was captured at a clinic where he was receiving treatment for an undisclosed medical condition, which I think is uh, probably cancer, ironically. Um, yeah. So he was uh, in absentia. He was sentenced uh, for life imprisonment for the two bombings in Sicily in 1992. Other grisly crimes he was convicted of uh, was the murder of a mafia turncoat's young son, Giuseppe Di Matteo, who was strangled and his body dissolved in a vat of acid. Uh, he also faces life sentence for his life and uh, for his role in bomb attacks in Florence, Rome, Milan that killed 10 people in 1993. So he was one of what they call three... Um, bosses boss of bosses and the arrest monday came 30 years and a day after january 15 1993 capture of convicted salvatore toto rena in a palermo apartment after 23 years on the run on the run uh, messina went into hiding in the summer of that year as the italian state waged a crackdown on the sicilian crimes syndicate following the murders of Falcone and borsellino um Italy's mafia, the third one here in this trifecta, uh, was set for the for the longest time on the lam was Bernardo Provenanzo, captured in a farmhouse near Corleone, Sicily, ironically, where uh, the Godfather's uh, family came from, from the, the famous movie. In 2006, after 38 years as a, as a fugitive. So once he was captured... Um, the focus was on Messina Denaro, but despite numerous reported sightings of the boss, he managed to elude arrest until this past Monday. Um, here is the, the, the thing that I wanted to, to, to give my little two cents here. That all three top bosses were ultimately arrested in the heart of Sicily while they conducted decades of clandestine life won't surprise Italy's police and prosecutors. Law enforcement have long said that such bosses rely on the contacts and confidentiality of fellow mobsters and complicit family members to move the fugitives from hideout to hideout, supply basic needs like food and clean clothing and communication and a code of silence known as omerta. I mean, obviously for them to have done this for so long, um, it, they would have had to have help, right? And some sort, you know, family members and people that were probably scared. I don't, I don't, I don't blame them. I don't. I don't blame them because uh, I've explained some of the violent acts that these people have perpetrated. So uh, for sure, a lot of people um, are just scared. Um, and and would do anything right to to not go against these people because they've had such a long effect on the Sicilian people uh, and also other mafias, of course, 
uh, across Italy. Uh, but this one specifically was extra brutal and the history behind it was so long. And uh, the reason why I'm talking about this um, is that it's such an important day for my Sicily, for Italians, um, because they fought so hard to get rid of this negative image that has always been linked, especially to Sicily, right? And I felt it very, very, very lightly, of course. I felt it growing up uh, as a second-generation Sicilian in Montreal, Canada. And, you know, I would tell people, yes, I'm Italian. And they would, uh, they would ask me from where I am, um, I am in, in Italy. And I, and I would always probably say Sicilian. And most of the time, the first thing, the first question would be, and it would always be in a jokingly manner, right? Is your father in the mafia? Is your family in the mafia? And I've always laughed it off. I've always taken it with a grain of salt. Um, right? It's just ignorance. People don't know the history behind it. People don't know the struggles of the Sicilian people and the Italians to try to get rid of this stigma and this scourge on such a beautiful country, on such beautiful people, and how they've managed to hold back um, this beautiful country, and especially my beautiful island of Sicily. And yeah, I do get emotional because um, they've really held this beautiful land back. And this is the land where my parents were born and raised. Um, so it, it is a very important uh, event to have taken place that the, these three bosses are now going to pay for their crimes. And... I just find it ironic, right, that he was probably at a clinic getting cancer treatments. Now, was he given up? Did he have some sort of epiphany now in his later age, knowing he's probably going to die and say, oh, let me get caught? Or somebody ratted him out. They won't even care. He's dying anyway of cancer. It's just a pity that they have to get him back. Because now, you know, right, he's he was 30 probably when he he had his life. He had his life. He he had the he did the atrocities that he committed that, that I can't even talk about. So today's a today's a good day. Today's a great week. I'm I'm really proud. I'm I'm really happy um, for the Sicilian people, for the Italians in general. I know that it's just a small little step in the battle against organized crime in Sicily that have their hands in everything, right? From infiltration of public works, contracts, extortion of small business owners. Um, you know, if they don't regularly pay what they call protection money and so much other thing, drugs. And I mean, but I'll still take this. I'll still take this as a victory for my my fellow fellow sicilians hey pat pat says boss of all bosses but ain't got his own private doctors <laughs> well pat i guess it's pretty hard when you're on the run right 
it's pretty hard when you run, but he managed for 30 years, Pat. I hope you're doing well, by the way, buddy. He managed for 30 years to elude authorities in a small little island that I've driven from west to east. But yet he managed to hide in this little island and elude capture for 30 years. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Um, so today is a victory. It's a victory for my Italy and for my Sicilia. So I salute everyone that was involved in this arrest and all of those that continue to fight this um, scourge. And I salute you forever. Guys, and don't give up the fight. You've come a long way. And we cannot make the death of Paolo Borsellino and Giovanni Falcone uh, be in vain. We can't. So we have to continue. You have to continue in their honor. Continue the fight that they began, that they paid their life with. So we can't. we got to continue the good fight. Okay? So, saluto. Um, Next story is um, very disturbing, <laughs> to say the least. Um, it shows how hysterical we became during COVID, during the height of COVID, to the point of the conclusion of this story. This one's a doozy, honestly. I'm going to try to stay calm because um, this one really hurt, really hurt. Security guards are cleared in a hospital death of Stephanie Warner. So, Danielle Stephanie Warner, pictured as sits alone in a Toronto hospital lobby, wearing little more than a pale blue medical gown. Moments later, she's wheeled away by her guards. Her slight frame slumped in a wheelchair and her legs dangling from the edge. What happens in between isn't captured on video because instead the security camera was purposely turned away as the guards approached the 43-year-old in a hospital, pushed her against the wall and restrained her on the ground before she lost consciousness, never to regain it. All because she was wearing a mask below her nose. So, the scenes I just described to you, the horrific scenes I just described to you, and I didn't want—I don't want to show this on video because it's, it's honestly too horrific—are part of the evidence that would have been heard at the trial for the guards charged in Warner's death at Toronto General Hospital in May 2020. So, it's just basically at the beginning of the pandemic the problem is now it won't happen because in a surprise move by an ontario judge on november 22nd the case against the guards has been quashed and the trial that was supposed to begin this may struck from the docket amanda roa silva 42 and Shane Hutley 35 had been charged with manslaughter and criminal negligence in Warner's death 
Charges they denied, saying they used only force necessary to gain a hold on her. That's important. Now these charges have been dropped after a judge concluded there wasn't enough evidence to take the case to trial. A decision CBC News has learned the Crown won't appeal. So all this is despite the available video footage, two security staff who testified the accused placed weight on her upper body while she was held chest down. A forensic pathologist who testified Warner would still be alive had she not been restrained that day. And revelations of one of the guards admitted he falsely claimed Warner threw the first punch. Warner was the younger of two sisters. She also struggled with bipolar disorder, substance abuse in the months leading up to her death found herself living in a shelter after a breakup. She died on May 27th, 16 days after the incident in the hospital lobby. On May 10th, Warner, who suffered from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD, arrived in hospital with a cough and short of breath. It was early in the COVID-19 pandemic, and Warner was presumably treated as COVID positive, though it was later found she tested negative for the virus. The next day, Warner left the COVID floor to get something to eat. According to a coroner's report, it was spotted by hospital staff in the lobby with her mask down her neck. Surveillance then, the surveillance video captures part of what happened next. Okay. At a preliminary hearing, the guard who turned the camera testified he did so because he panicked and got really anxious. The court heard that the guard was allowed to keep his job. Asked about the decision, whether Rojas and Hutley would be also be allowed to keep their jobs with the charges against them now dropped, University Health Network spokesman Gillian Howard told CBC News, we will not comment on the court's decision, nor do we comment on individual hiring decisions or employee dis disciplines. So basically, they could keep on killing people. Right? Now, before I go into my rant, I'm going to continue here. A coroner's report would conclude Warner died from a brain injury resulting from a lack of oxygen due to restraint asphyxia following struggles and exertion with her underlying lung disease and possible factor. But for her interaction with the applicants, Mrs. Warner would likely be alive today. The forensic pathologist testified at the preliminary hearing according to the Crown. Lawyers for the accused argued the, the forensic pathologist lacked the expertise to come to that conclusion. Still in quashing the case, the Superior Court Justice Sean Dunphy, remember that note, that name. Okay? There is evidence that death could have been the culmination of factors he described. Now, I'm going to ask you, do you go to the hospital to get treatment? How hysterical were we as a general population to kill a woman, to choke, to asphyxiate a woman that's clearly in distress 
is having trouble breathing, is at the hospital, is in a gown, a hospital gown, and you choke her to death to kill her. Are you serious? And you're not going to be facing a trial? Are you serious? Not only are you not going to trial, they might have not even lost their job. Where are we going? Where are we going? The guards claimed they used force as a last resort. Are you serious, guys? She was five foot nothing. She barely weighed 100 pounds. Because she wasn't wearing her mask on top of her nose. She paid with her life. She paid with her life. Did we become that crazy? Did we become that crazy that a woman is dead? A woman that suffered from chronic lung disease? That was bipolar? That was clearly going through an episode? She went to a hospital to die? To be choked out. And a superior court judge refuses to bring these two security guards to court. I, I'm at a loss. I, guys, listen. I, sometimes, <sighs> I don't know what to say, man. I don't know what to say. It gets worse, guys. And then I'm going to read some of your comments. The guard admitted that he had not been truthful. In the aftermath of the incident, both guards claimed Warner repeatedly assaulted Ross Silva before she went hands-on. But during an internal investigation by the hospital, the court heard Hutley later admitted that didn't happen. Mr. Hutley went on as far to claim that Mrs. Warner delivered several overhand and underhand punches to Mrs. Rojas Silva's face and was kicking her feet, says a court document, by the Crown. Later on, Mr. Hulley began sobbing and admitted that he had not been truthful in the report. I can't believe this. Saying, I'm sorry, I would have never said the things I said in there if I, were, if I knew there was a video. Guys, um, I don't know. Not only is our healthcare in shambles, okay? <laughs> Not only is health, our healthcare in shambles, you could you could go to hospital now to be choked out and die. The world needs to know a mask isn't worth a life. So sad. Well said, Pat. Dario says, those security guards and the judge should be jailed. Again, justice system fails in Canada. Failing Canadians. Carmelo says, ni salutamo, frate. Hey, thank you for watching, Carmelo. Pat says, hospitals will never admit to wrongdoing as it opens them up to lawsuits. I'm disgusted that the judge didn't allow this to go through. I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand. I really don't. 
Dario says the Canadian justice system doesn't hand down severe life sentences. If that was a family member of the Italian, Russian, or Chinese mafia, the judge and guards would be dead. Unfortunately or fortunately, whatever, how the way you want to look at it, it doesn't have to come to that point that someone needs to be connected somehow. This is a life. This poor woman, could you imagine the family having to lose somebody, their daughter, their sister? Not to COVID, not to cancer, not to chronic lung disease, but to being choked out in an emergency lobby because you're mask was below your nose and because we had lost it Carmelo says if you work for the government it's okay it's all legal state sanctioned murder ha <laughs> ha I, I just I, I don't understand the judges I don't understand the judges um thinking here. I, I really don't. I I I don't know. I I don't know what to say. I'm I'm completely it's rare I'm completely at a loss. I just uh, I don't understand this. Family says her life was extinguished. It haunts me. Again, could you imagine how the family feels? I, I don't even, I can't even imagine, guys. I can't even imagine. Hold these tyrants accountable. Unfortunately, Pat, uh, no one's going to be held accountable for this one. No one. And that's, that's, that's the worst part of this. Dario says it's horrific and the conservatives better drill and nail the liberals for an investigation into the results. I don't know what good that is that going to do, but we will see. Pat says when she first entered the emergency, I'm sure the triage nurse gave her a mask to wear and asked questions about why she is there. Guys, we could only, we don't know exactly what happened, right? But all I know is that I've seen the footage. Um, I, I, I find it difficult to watch, so I can imagine having lived that um, to die for, for, for a mask, to be choked by security guards in a hospital, emergency waiting lobby. I have no more words. I really don't. All right, we're going to move on to the next story because um, that, that one just broke my heart. Guys, this one um, I found pretty interesting. Um. CBC ordered to pay $1.7 million in damages over dishonest coverage. Uh, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, for those of you who don't know, uh, was ordered to pay almost $1.7 million in damages to a financial advisor after Manitoba judge found that the network defamed him. Kenneth Wayne Music, a former financial advisor based in uh, Manitoba, may maybe $1.7 million richer after winning a hefty judgment in a defamation case. 
So let me put you into context. Starting in June 2012, CBC broadcast two news stories and published uh, several articles on its website that painted music as a disreputable, disreputable and dishonest financial advisor. The story centered around a man named William uh, Worthing, Worthington, who said he felt cheated by he felt cheated by music. Worthington claimed he experienced profound regret after investing his retirement money into music's investment portfolio. The claims published by the CBC hurt music's reputation so badly he took the broadcaster to court for defamation, claimed he lost revenue due to lost clients. The judge ruled in music's favor, writing he was satisfied that the stories were defamatory and the CBC had failed to establish they can escape liability through any possible defense available to it. So the judge raised concerns about the objectivity and integrity uh, of Gosia Sawika. The journalist that authored the story, the judge wrote, Mrs. Sawika moved aggressively to get Worthington's complaint about Mr. Music to air and gave short shrift to the parliamentary of objectivity, which I described as a key of part of ethical journalism. So the reason why I, 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 I found this so, so amazing is that because see, this is the CBC. When I looked into this has, has a history of being sued successfully successfully for defamation so this is our tax dollars at work hey are they being put to good use hey guys because you as you know we fund the cbc right with our tax dollars so basically we're paying for these defamation lawsuits it's our money right so we're suing ourselves basically uh and I just, <laughs> I just find it ironic, right? That not only that we we fund the CBC, uh, we're keeping them alive, of course, famously with with the over uh, bailout of six hundred million dollars to all uh, about one hundred sixty outlets, uh, newspapers, and outlets, media coverage across Canada because they were basically, for all intents and purposes, going bankrupt. So you know, along comes a story like this here. So. You know, in the year 2000, a judge awarded a cardiologist, Franz, Dr. Franz Leonard, close to 950000 after he successfully sued the CBC for damages related to defamation. The same year, Dr. Martin Myers claimed in court the CBC used his words out of context and made innuendo that damaged his reputation in his career. The judge agreed with his claim and he was awarded $200,000. And the CBC is currently being sued by Subway for defamation <laughs> in regards to allegation. <laughs> I love it, it. It made inaccurate claims about the composition of its chicken sandwiches. Subway seeking two hundred and ten million dollars in damages of our money, of our money. So, guys, if the CBC right is producing bullshit, who do we believe? Who do we believe when we need? information or clarification especially when it comes to difficult and complicated issues in our lives right such as what we just went through for the past almost three years we're gonna get it from mainstream media guys who do we believe
Where do we go? Is there any credibility left in this profession? Now you know why so many journalists are going independent. Either on YouTube or on Substack, if it's in written form, or on YouTube or Rumble or whatever it is. Thank God for these independent journalists that are not attached to big names, right? Yeah, Rebel News. Exactly, Pat. Thank you. Um, thank God. Right? Maybe. Because they're not attached to anybody. They're not attached to any money. So all they could do is basically what the purpose of a journalist was, is to report the truth or at least try to make us look at things differently. Not by pushing a narrative of the company that you work for. Where do we go for the truth, guys? Pat says Rebel News, NPR. Dario Vitali says NPR. There's so many fantastic individual um, um, journalists on Substack, on 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 YouTube, on Rebel News, Rebel News, on NPR. Uh, so many on Rumble as well. There's a lot. There's a lot. Thankfully, and that they have these platforms to go on and get paid and do real journalism, real, especially investigative journal journalism. Um, so, yeah, that's where our part of our tax money is going is to pay defamation lawsuits, <laughs> $210 million for Subway because inaccurate claims about the composition of its chicken sandwich how much of this sandwich is real chicken is it 90 percent? is it 60 percent? is it 10 percent chicken could you imagine subway i'd really like to know how much chicken is, is in your sandwiches i remember this story but i didn't know that they were suing currently in damages searching for 210 million dollars the cbc I just love it. I just love it. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Just hilarious. Okay, guys. Last story of the night. Uh, before we go there, Dario says Huffington Post. Mm, come see, come some. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, Dario Vitali also said The Guardian. Yeah, read The Guardian too. So, for those of you who don't know, the um, the government organization that runs the transport system in Montreal is called the STM, short for La Société de Transport de Montréal. So, guys, um, they could be forced to reduce bus service next year, which is this year, 2023, due to a $77.7 .7 million shortfall. How does this happen? How do, how does this happen? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my thoughts after, but how does this happen? Who's budgeting? Who's running the books for these people? Take public transit. Let's help with the traffic in the city. Let's get cars off the road. 
Officials at the transit agency warned that without additional funds, some buses on certain lines may be running less frequently. <laughs> we need to find a solution to that funding problem because we don't want to cut the service. Eric Alain Caldwell, the STM president, said at a press conference. The STM relies heavily on subsidies from l'Autorité Régionale de Transport Métropolitain, the ARTM, the organization that oversees all public transport in Greater Montreal, but the STM is still short $77 million for 2023. Buses have to keep running. Metro needs a good level of service, so we need to find a solution. Many users are concerned about the potential for any cuts of services. I don't understand, they say. Use public transit. Use public service. They're going to cut it. Herbert Till says, visitor from Vancouver using a Montreal STM bus, told Global News. The STM released its 2023 budget, projecting to spend $1.7 billion, with a B, an 8.2% increase compared with last year. The agency also projects that ridership will remain 30% below pre-pandemic levels. They say, take public transit, but then it's just contradicting to remove funds toward it. However, guys, rest assured, STM officials are still hoping to make up the fiscal shortfall to maintain the current level of service. Pat says, forget about the blue line. <laughs> yeah, we're and we're building a new line right now. <laughs> I just, it's amazing. Uh, Dario says, STM, shit transport of Mardial. Leave it to Dario to always come up with those uh, good one-liners. Guys, let me give you my, my hypothesis on this, how I see this. The average bus driver pay for the STM is $66,483. 109% above the national average for bus drivers. How long have I said this? I've heard bus drivers making over six figures driving a freaking bus in Montreal. Compared to the average Montreal salary of $45,825 per year. So what, you need to be more qualified? You have more specialty if you could drive a bus? Is, is that it? Listen. Good for you if you manage to get these jobs. By the way, the pensions are beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. Maybe that has something to do. Maybe it has something to do with the shortfall in terms of spending. Maybe. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe looking at the benefits. Maybe looking at salaries. Maybe cutting, freezing. I don't know. Guys, you're, you're out of control, man. <laughs> you're out of control. You're 109% above the national average. But you know Quebec, right? We love our civil servants. So, not surprised. We got to take care of them because they're the backbone of this province. Pat says $31 to start. I guess $31 an hour. Not bad, eh? I think I'm going to go apply. It pays to be a bus driver for the STM, that's for sure. Unbelievable, eh? 
you doing this during inflationary times? Hey, doing this during what we just went through for three years. Their jobs were never at risk. And now you might even cut services, like I said before. Let's help with climate change. Let's take more buck bikes to work. Let's take more public transit. Shit. We don't, mm, we're in a deficit. It's got some services. And you know that new line that we're building? Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> what a city. I just love my city. Guys, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to leave you with this quote. This is a new thing, a new little segment. I'm going to leave you off with some of my favorite quotes of all time. Okay? So this one is from Joanne Goethe. Why look for conspiracy when stupidity can explain so much? <laughs> Isn't that great? I absolutely love it. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been so much fun. Um, I really appreciate you guys always, and uh, I will see you next week. Guys, next week is a huge week, huge week. Uh, I have uh, Nima uh, Naz, the uh, YouTube social media star, com comedian, sketch artist, comedic sketch artist on my show next week. Um, 7 p.m. I will post it on uh, social media for sure. I cannot wait for this. Um, so, yeah. So, guys, tune in so much. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. I appreciate you. Like always, take good care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to the Agree to Disagree show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about it. Until next time.